Welcome to Campus Pastor Weekend at Jubilee Fellowship Church. We are uh, a video campus, and so 95% of what we do, uh, or the weekends that we have, the teaching is on video screen, but once in a while we have Campus Pastor Weekend, and this weekend is that weekend for all of our campuses, so uh, whatever campus you would be attending, uh, it is our privilege as Campus Pastors to be sharing God's Word together with you, and I'm super excited about uh, what God has for us. I believe God has a word in season. If I could ask somebody to start that clock on the back, um, I have to apologize in advance. I actually have a wedding that I need to attend that happens to be at another church at 11 o'clock. And so uh, the good news for you is, hey, short messages, amen. Can I, get a, can I get a hallelujah, praise the Lord in the house of God, amen. How often does that happen? So uh, we're gonna jump right in here. Uh, the theme this weekend is the gateway of hope. The gateway of hope. And uh, I know that a lot of us here, when it comes to this time of the year, hope is a natural thing we're kind of looking forward we're looking ahead maybe we're looking back a little bit you know we're looking at what 2017 has brought um, its ups and downs its victories its challenges perhaps we've even suffered loss perhaps we've uh, you know had a great gain we've experienced uh, an incredible breakthrough in our lives we've had a raise at work or a new uh, aspect in a relationship or whatever God's blessings have been but regardless of that I think it's natural in us all of us around this time of the year are kind of like fortune cookies right we're looking forward to good things ahead. Have you ever read a fortune cookie that was like, you're going to lose everything and become utterly bankrupt? No, I haven't had one. You know, you know, all of your friends are going to abandon you and realize what a loser you are. You know, I haven't read, most fortune cookies tend to be hopeful, right? They tend to be, you know, you're going to find that answer you've been looking for. You're going to, something good's going to happen in your life. You know, uh, uh, whatever, you know, you're going to discover the cure for cancer, you know, whatever it might be. And, uh, but you know what, uh, as much as we might laugh about that, I believe that our God is a God of hope. God wants us to be filled with hope. In fact, one of his titles in Romans 15, it actually, he actually refers to himself as, may the God of hope. And then he goes on to say, may he bless you and so forth. But our God is a God of hope and he wants us to experience hope, not just a fleeting hope, not just a wishful thinking kind of a hope. Hey, I hope this year's better than last year. He wants us to experience a hope that does not disappoint. A hope that does not disappoint. You know, perhaps you're here and, and you're saying, man, I've hoped in the past and, and, and man, I've been let down and I, and I don't know if I can afford to hope again. I don't know if I can afford to put my heart in that place. But God wants you to know there is a gateway of hope that he has for you that does not disappoint where you will experience his goodness and be safe and secure in him. And so we wanna jump in and look at uh, that together. And we, uh, as we got together as campus pastors, we felt like uh, this particular story in a very obscure part of the Bible, it's actually from the book of Hosea. Can you, do you know who Hosea is? Have you ever heard of Hosea? Most of us haven't, right? I mean, it's like some minor prophet, 760 years before Jesus. And, uh, but his story is, is very unique in scripture. And, uh, and I believe that in there, we find some nuggets of how to truly experience and live the hope of God that does not disappoint. So let's jump in real quick. Before I read our text that's found in Hosea chapter two, verses 14 through 16, I wanna tell you a little bit about this book and about the story behind 
behind it. Hosea was a man, as I mentioned, who lived 760 years before Jesus. And during that time in the northern kingdom of Israel, man, they were experiencing unprecedented prosperity. I mean, things were going well. They had subdued their enemies around them. Jeroboam, number two, was the king. And man, things were going well. But in the midst of all that, they had begun to turn aside from the Lord. They had begun to, you know, lust after other things and enjoy the pleasures of this life, that of materialism and of the blessings of prosperity to truly clutter their hearts and to truly kind of distract their affections from the one true God who loved them most. And it got to the place where they were even offering human sacrifices in worship to other gods. So, I mean, they had fallen far from that place of, that, that loving worship to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, who had brought all of that blessing to them. And so into that situation, God was grieved and he called this man named Hosea and he gave him a very unique assignment. He said, go find yourself a woman of prostitution and go make her your wife. What? Can you imagine guys getting that assignment? Hey, go down to Colfax and uh, we're gonna go, you know, shopping for a bride for you. Like, can we, can we, can we try match.com? Like, can we, I don't know, just eHarmony? Uh, Christiansingles.com? I mean, come on, Lord, right? No, go and find yourself a woman of prostitution. So he did that and he found this woman named Gomer and he married her and they had a child together. It was a son, his name was Jezreel. And, and God was saying, hey, I'm going to make right the injustices committed in this particular valley of Jezreel years before. But then things went on and, and, and Hosea began to notice that her heart began to, to kind of sway and, and, and be distracted from him as a wife. And before they knew it, she was expecting. And he did not feel that he was the father. And Sure enough, she had a baby and it was a girl. And this baby was uh, given a name that meant not loved. The name was uh, Lo Ruhama, not loved. And, uh, but God told Hosea, stay with her, continue to love her. So time went on, she had another baby. Hosea also did not feel he was the father of this baby. So here's Gomer straying from the love, the faithful love of Hosea for her. And they named this baby Lo-Ami, which means not my people. And so eventually it got to the place where she completely said, you know what, I want nothing to do with you. And she ran away to some other lover, but she ended up being abandoned by that lover and being sold into slavery. And God said, go after her and purchase her back and receive her and forgive her once again as your wife. And so he went and he found her and he redeemed her and he paid the price to the slave master and took her in once again and said, stay with me now, be faithful to me now as my wife. Isn't that a crazy story? And here's the situation. God, I believe, put this story in scripture and commanded Hosea to do that very unusual request because it illustrated his relationship with Israel, his relationship with even looking forward through time, his church, you and me. Because isn't it true that sometimes our hearts stray away from the Lord? Sometimes we allow other things to take the place of God in, in what we love the most or what we hope for the most or, or what we depend on for our security, for our covering, for our protection. Maybe it's our bank account, maybe it's our health insurance plan, maybe it's our 401k, whatever it might be. Maybe it's our group of friends that we fit in with and we're like, yes, I'm secure because of this. And we stray from the Lord. 
And here's the thing, as we look at the gateway of hope, it is into that situation that these words are written in chapter two, verse 14 through 16. But then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. When that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. Wow, what a powerful, powerful scripture. As we look at hope in our lives, God takes us to a place where seemingly it seems hopeless, right? Here's this prophet going, loving his wife, forgiving his wife, embracing her, taking her back once again, but again and again, she seems to be straying. But it's a perfect place, I believe, God wants us to realize some very important things about how to experience His hope that never disappoints. You see, right before this scripture was written, we see that God was doing everything He could to get her attention. Man, He was like, He was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna take away your vineyards. Okay, if that doesn't work, I'm gonna send enemies to, to come against you and, and afflict you. I mean, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to try to stop you from, from this path that you're on. Why? because I'm your husband, because I love you, because I'm jealous for you, because I can't live without what we have together. And we see the heart of God as our husband reaching out to us. But here's the thing, God wants us to know how deeply he's committed to us. But if we're going to truly experience his hope that does not disappoint, I believe that he wants us to understand and to put into practice three things. Are you ready for him? The first one is this. He wants us to choose the right kind of hope. In that passage where it says, I will turn the valley, transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. That word hope in the Hebrew literally means a cord, a cord or a string. And when we look at cord or a string, I believe that a string like this can be used to attach or to bind ourselves. And, and really when we look at this uh, uh, used as the word hope, you know, one way we could look at it and say, okay, you know what? God is giving me hope and I'm gonna kind of pull myself together, right? I just need to hold it together, man. I need to, to not completely lose my mind during this struggle that I'm going through. Man, if I just have some way to hold it together, okay, God, I'm ready for this year, God. I'm holding it together through the hope that you've given me, right? Okay, that might be one way to do it. What about this? Sometimes what we do with that cord of hope is attach it to something that we really, really want. And we're like, Lord, man, this promotion, God, if I can just get this promotion, I'm attaching myself to that. As long as that happens, as long as that happens, everything's gonna be all right. Or, or God, this relationship, as long as that person loves me back, as long as they truly change, then everything's gonna be okay. I'm, I'm attaching myself to them and, and I'm hoping in that thing. And isn't it true that oftentimes we, we attach ourselves and bind ourselves hoping for a certain thing to happen. But have you ever realized that doesn't always happen the way we want? Isn't it true that sometimes our hopes are dashed? That our illusions are shattered? That we find ourselves hurt once again? Because that thing that we had attached and bound ourselves to didn't work out? I wanna 
encourage you. God, when he looks at that hope that is a rope used for binding, for holding ourselves together, yes, but also for attaching ourselves to something stronger. This is the kind of hope that God is wanting us to experience. So now this has never been tried before exactly in this particular location, but I think it's gonna work. And Heather, uh, Bennett, I'm gonna need you to, you're right in the, in the key seat right there with your daughter there. So um, you're gonna have to catch me if, if everything goes well. You kind of put your arms out like this. Now, I'm attaching myself. I'm strapped in to this harness and I am attaching myself. This is a nice thick rope, isn't it? Do you think this could hold my weight? Please say yes, it's rated, for nine, it's rated for 900 pounds. So I hope nobody said no. Anyway, okay, so the idea is that when I jump off, when I get a running start here and jump over, the hope is that it's gonna hold my weight. And Heather, you're gonna catch me, right? You're not gonna let me down. Okay, here goes, are you ready? One, two, three. I'm just kidding, we're not really gonna do that because it's attached to the speaker. Say, aww. You really wanted to see that, didn't you? But here's the reality, church. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Here's the reality, church, that when God speaks of hope and uses that word that stands for cord, he's saying, yeah, you can use it to hold yourself together or you can use it to hope for a specific thing and try to tie yourself to that. But if you're truly gonna experience the hope that will not disappoint you, I would encourage you to bind yourself to me. When we bind ourselves to the Lord, that is when I can promise you, your hope will not be disappointed because you've attached yourself, you've harnessed yourself, you've bound yourself to the one who loves you, to the one who cares for you, to the one who no matter what 2018 brings, will be there with you, will hold you tight, will carry you through and will save you from harm and from destruction. Isn't that good? In Isaiah chapter 40, there's a verse that's pretty familiar to all of us, but if you can bring that up on the screen, it says these words. Isaiah chapter 40, yep. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait, see that word wait right there? That is the same word as hope, exactly the same word, which means cord used for attaching. Those who hope in the Lord, wait in the Lord, attach ourselves, get in the harness, and solely trust in the Lord, will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm telling you what, if we wanna experience the good things that God has for us and a hope that will not disappoint, we need to bind ourselves, not just to some other thing we're hoping for, but to the Lord first and foremost, and he will bring us through. The second thing that God wants us to understand in order to experience true hope that does not disappoint is to live in the right relationship. He wants us to live in the right relationship. Now, there's in that passage that we read at the beginning, of chapter two, it says this, when that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. You will call me my husband instead of my master. Wow, two very different relationships, right? I hope they are. Any, any women in the house? <laughs> it, 
I'm not gonna have you raise your hand if you feel like a slave in your own home. I'm not gonna do that. That, that would be wrong. Um, but, but hopefully you don't feel like a slave. Hopefully you feel, if you're married, hopefully you feel that you are loved. Hopefully you feel that, that, that when you call your husband, my husband, there's a sense of, of safety. There's a sense of, of love there. There's a sense where you are feeling honored, where you feel protected, where you feel listened to and treasured and cherished. Men, hopefully, we're treating our wives that way. Hopefully we're making them feel like they're not just taken for granted. They're not just a cook, a cleaner, a maid, whatever, a chauffeur for our children, but, but that they truly are a queen in our own home. Here's the thing, the difference between those two relationships means everything in how we look at God and how we experience hope. And really it comes down to this. Do you guys know what this is? It all comes down to this, people. What is this? Yes, it's a shot glass, but it's for coffee. What are you thinking it was for? Come on, people, come on. Get your, get, your, get your minds out of the gutter. It's a shot glass, but here's what I want to tell you guys about this. My mom and dad, my dad passed away in 2012. My mom is 85 years old. They were married for 62 years. And um, obviously imperfect people as we all are, but I truly believe that there was a very genuine love that was expressed and, and shown in their relationship. And when my dad passed away, my mom ended up having to move into a three bedroom uh, townhome with two other ladies. And man, they were Christian ladies. They were wonderful people. But I'm telling you what, when you've lived for 62 years being treated like the most amazing, beautiful, precious, valuable, cherished human being on planet Earth, and then you go to just having some other roommates are like, hey, how's it going? Like, no, I'm not gonna wake up and make your coffee. Like, <laughs> I'm making my own coffee, you know? <laughs> it, it was a huge change. And I remember having a front row seat as she walked through that transition and lost that husband and that being treated so powerfully. And I asked her, I said, mom, can you, can you uh, remind me of a few things, a few of the ways in which dad made you feel special? And she did, and I wanna read those to you and she added some of her own uh, thoughts as well but she said these words Jesus said husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church the consummation of marriage is the knowing in loving intimacy between husband and wife your daddy loved me this way this is Christ's first desire with his church. We invite his Holy Spirit to come into us and then he tells us to put on Jesus. When we are in him and he is in us, we are one, spiritual intimacy. It takes time and this is one of Christ's love languages, quality time. Your daddy wrote me clever little notes every now and then. Christ has written his church a love letter, which is the Bible, the word of God. Your, uh, uh, your daddy made me cafe solo. In Spain, this was the kind of coffee that they made. They would make cafe solo. And uh, Jamie knows what I'm talking about. She owns her own coffee shop, Poor. Check it out, 28th Street, New York. Anyway, a little free plug there. Uh, but my dad would wake up and make a cafe solo for my mom exactly the way that she liked it every morning. Christ gives us the water of life. The other four languages are gifts, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. And they were all a part of your dad's honoring me. He told me he loved me every day. He kissed me every time he left the house and at other times too. He brought me flowers or chocolates every now and then. He honored special days like birthdays and Mother's Day, etc. He did acts of service. 
helped clean or do dishes or fix things. Or one time, I remember my dad even completely from scratch built kitchen cabinets for my mom while she had traveled back to the States for six weeks for her mom's funeral. He did acts of service. He would love to give love pats. We won't talk about that. Anyway, (laughs) it's part of love, right? It's part of the way she felt honored. Oh yes, and when I needed special prayer, he prayed for me. We agreed in prayer for you kids. He would have died for me. Christ did die for his church. He has promised to take care of all his church's needs. And that's just some of the ways in which my dad made my mom feel like she was part of something that was not a slave-master relationship. She was part of a bride-husband relationship where she would call him my husband, not my master. And that's the thing. God is wanting us to understand that the relationship that he wants with us is not simply one of obedience as servants, but he wants us to know him as a husband, as we can trust him, as we can communicate all of our hearts, share, not be afraid to share what we truly think, what we truly are feeling, knowing he's gonna understand and is gonna embrace us even with our imperfections. John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus told the disciples this. I have no longer called you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all the things that I heard from my father I've made known to you. I believe that Jesus was speaking of that same type of relationship, that same beautiful friendship, beautiful intimacy. And and I believe that God wants us to know that if we're gonna truly experience a hope that does not disappoint for the best things that he has for us in 2018, he wants us and we need to step into that place of opening our hearts to him in that most intimate place as our husband, to truly give him that place, not just of honor as a Lord or a master or a teacher, but an intimate friendship, having all of our hearts. The last one is this. I believe that God wants us to maximize our wilderness. In fact, I think that if we do the first two, if we bind ourselves and attach ourselves in hope to the Lord, recognizing He's the one who is stronger than us. He's the one that, as the old saying says, I may not know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. If we're willing to strap into Him, and if we're willing to give him that place of honor, that place of love, that place of friendship and intimacy as a husband in our lives and in our hearts. Then that's gonna help us to look at something very differently and that thing is the wilderness. See in the beginning passage that we read, he says this, I will will, uh, lead her into the desert or wilderness and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. God speaks of leading us into a wilderness, into a desert. And normally when we see a desert, we think of not having enough. I mean, have you ever heard of like vineyards in a desert? You know, Sahara vineyards, you know? Come sample our delicious wines. Probably not. It's like, no, I'll just go to Napa Valley. Thank you very much. But here's the deal, God is saying, you know what? Even in the situations in life where you find yourself in a desert, in a wilderness, in a place where, hey, as I look around, I'm not necessarily seeing all of the prosperity like I did. God is saying, I'm leading her here to speak tenderly to her. I'm leading her here so that I can eliminate the distractions, the things that were alluring her away from me. 
so that we can reestablish our love for one another. So that then, what does he say? I will give you back your vineyards, even in the desert. I will give you back my blessings that I long for you. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I don't even know how I got into this wilderness. They say there's three ways, right? We either jumped into a pit or a wilderness, did something stupid, and now we're paying the price for it, or we got pushed in. Somebody else was a jerk to us, right? Did something to us, maybe uh, an ex-spouse or something like that, or maybe a, a, a work relationship, we got passed over for a raise, whatever it might have been, right? Something, our, our adult children don't wanna hang out with us this Christmas, or maybe, you know, I didn't get accepted to the school that I was longing to go to, and all of a sudden now it's like, ah, oh no! Or maybe what if I jumped in myself, right? Somebody pushed me in, I jumped in or I fell in. Maybe I'm in a situation where I didn't see it coming. I'm innocent, I didn't necessarily do something to deserve it, but I find myself in this place of a wilderness, in this place of a desert. God wants you to know that he wants this to be not a place of punishment for you. God doesn't want it to be a place of punishment, but a place of process, a place of preparation, a place of purification where he's working in your life to give you back the vineyard, but with it, himself. You see, sometimes we look at God as a fulfiller of promises, but we don't realize that he is actually the ultimate promise, that he is the one. Here's the thing, Romans verse, chapter eight has a familiar passage and it says this, if you can put it up. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. You see, when we're in that wilderness place, but we're willing to truly open our hearts to the Lord and put our hope completely in him, everything can begin to work for our good and nothing can stop God's blessing and God's goodness from coming in to our lives. Here's the coolest thing. When we do that when we attach ourselves to the Lord, when we open up our hearts to him as our husband and let him into that very innermost place in our heart. And when we're willing to acknowledge that, Lord, even when I don't understand this wilderness that I'm in, this place of process, this place of waiting, this place of hoping, but yet not fully seeing it fulfilled, here's what it says that he does. In verse 21 of chapter two of Hosea, God says these words, in that day I will respond. The whole time he's kind of been talking to us about our response to him. But then he says, in that day when you respond to me, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain, to the new wine and the olive oil and they will respond to Jezreel. Now let me tell you this, this word respond means several things. It means to give eye to, so to, to pay attention to. It means to heed, to listen, but it also means to testify. It also means to, to speak back to, or even, this is one of my favorites, to sing. Have you ever had someone treat you in such a way that it literally made you wanna sing? I know there's some singers that felt that way because they were like, girl, you make me wanna shout. Then mm, my hands up and shout, right? Man, that guy, I don't know what had happened, but man, whoever that was in his life made him wanna shout, woo, glory. I love this woman, right? 
But God is saying, you know what? When you love me first, when you attach yourself in hope to me, you make me want to shout. And guess what? When God starts shouting, Woo, come on. When God starts singing over you, when God can't hold himself back, here's what happens. He starts shouting or testifying or singing to the heavens. And guess what? The heavens start singing to the earth and the earth starts singing to the, to the vines and to the olive oil. And then those start bringing a full circle back to Jezreel, his son. The blessings of God begin to cascade back to us because our God is singing over us. Does that sound like something hopeful for this coming year? Praise God. He finishes with this. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. God is longing to pour his love, his goodness. In fact, one other meaning of that is to give ourselves to. God is saying, I will respond. I will give myself to you if you will give yourself to me. So I wanna encourage you, perhaps you've been disappointed in the past in hoping and having those hopes be dashed. But let the word of the Lord to you be this. If you will hope in me, that will be hope that will not disappoint. If you'll attach yourself to me, if you will love me, if you will even see the place of waiting before you see my blessings come in as a place where I'm working, where I'm preparing, where I'm in the process of bringing and giving you back your vineyards, giving you back that thing that you feel like you need so much that isn't happening yet. Stay in that place of trust. Stay in that place of hope. Keep believing. And you see my faithfulness. If you'll stand to your feet together, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come forward. I'm gonna pray a prayer over us as a congregation and then the worship team is actually gonna lead us into a song that, that speaks of that place of when I look around and don't see all the things happening that I long to see. You are good. You are good in the midst even in that time. And I wanna encourage you just to respond and to make that song and that anthem of worship your cry back to the Lord saying, Lord, I give myself fully to you. I hope fully in you. I want you to remove from my life every obstacle, every idol, everything that I've pursued higher than you because when I'm established in you, this year will bring your blessings. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness to us. God, thank you for your word to our lives. God, I pray you know every, every heart in this place. You know those that are, that are coming off of a place of such victory, of such overcoming, of such awareness of your goodness. And, and, and they're just, wow, ready to go into 2018 with, with victory to victory. But then there's others of us, God, that have been hurt this year that have experienced loss, that have experienced suffering and that we've been tempted to close off our hearts and say, I don't wanna hope again. God, I pray that you would minister to your people by the power of your Holy Spirit. And right now, give us the power to trust in you again. Give us the power to hope in you like we have never hoped before and to give ourselves fully to you, to put you in that place of husband and first love in our lives. God, I pray that you would prepare us for the great things that you have in store and that we would truly be able to give ourselves fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen.